thank you for joining us for Love That VoiceOver. In-depth interviews unveiling the personality and projects behind the mic with none other than your chic geek, perfectly different host, Love That Rebecca. Hello there, you chic geeks of VO. This is segment 3A of four cool segments with J.S. Gilbert. Segment 3 is called VoiceOver is not just games. Duh! One of the fascinating things about voiceover and voiceover talent is a lot of the time, not all the time, they are balancing things similar to voiceover, but they're not doing voiceover all the time in terms of their income and their pursuits as an entrepreneur. I would say probably at the moment, uh, voiceover... I, I, I've worked in casting. I've, uh, and again, natural progressions out of what I've done. Sure. So you're in the gaming industry. They ask you if you have other, you know, voices that you can bring in. I need some women or whatever. So you become a casting person. Um, going back to the business experience, I think I'm very, very good at project management. So for Harcourt Hout Mifflin, for example, their requirement was we need to record 50,000 paragraphs wow. of educational material with 12 talent. Um, you know, and it has to be done three or four months and there's a, a schedule for how they're handing off the material. And if I don't schedule the talent in proper, you know, uh, hourly increments, it could cost a lot of money. Right. So I too. partnered with a, a local, uh, company called Pyramind. Pyramind is, uh, is an education and they're also in, in production. They run studios in San Francisco and, um, and we figured out a workflow scenario that allowed us to get that done. I was a couple of the voices myself. I worked in the casting and the production. I've worked with, uh, um, uh, universities to, to, to put together educational programs. Uh, I've cast and produced and written commercials, things of that nature. So there is that, that component. And, um, So what you're saying is you've been responsible for project management of different kinds of projects that involve audio recording. I produce the the dialogue on a number of uh, of video games, early video games. um, As well. Okay. So, you know, required casting and bringing people in like that. Uh, directed talent on a lot of different products. Natsumi, uh, directed talent for Sony. Uh, There's two games. that were done by WebSen, which is a huge Korean company called um, Huxley and uh, Sun Soul of the Ultimate Nation. And I directed talent for both of those projects. Um, so this is in the same sort of vein, uh, vein as uh, as the voice acting. And and again, I think it's it's sort of uh, an organic offshoot of it. Um, the various back my various backgrounds, business and and project management and so forth, combined with an understanding of the uh, particular uh, type of work that needs to be done. So in terms of the other work that you're doing that's related, but not necessarily behind the mic, what would the percentage be of voiceover work that you're doing in the scheme of 100% of work, this much is voiceover, and then this much is, and you fill in the blank? Well, it's odd. Um, Prior to the real downturn in the economy a couple of years ago, I would say probably it was 50-50. Hmm. So about 50% was writing commercials, working as an advertising creative, casting people, and 50% as a voice talent. Hmm. And I thought as the marketplace for voice talent would expand, um, you know, where it is, as all things are driven to the internet, or what I call web uh, VO 2.0, right. and the need for 
um, budgets for creative budgets and production budgets to be tightened and, uh, you know, for people to basically be able to pinch a penny and, and make Lincoln's face turn black and blue. My thinking was that at this, this point in my career, I would be tasked more with producing projects and writing and casting and so forth. Uh, I think uh, in that regard, I, I, I give a lot of bang for the buck. Sometimes when it comes to voiceover, and, and it's not to, you know, not to be modest or anything like that, but, you know, voiceover, it's just a person's opinion who should be doing the voice. And I sometimes wonder, you know, how did they wind up picking me? <laughs> but uh, what's really been weird is the last couple of years, I would say probably 85, 90% of what I've been making has been from the voiceover. Oh, wow. So it went in a different direction than you would have expected with the downturn. Yeah, I've got several national commercials that are running. Um, you know, just huge projects that I've been working on, ongoing things. And the one, the one contrast that I found is very interesting and it's, it's a little scary. Uh, I, I knew a fellow, for example, he, he was very, very good friends with the head creative at a local, uh, ad agency. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for years he made over a hundred thousand dollars a year as a voice talent. Well, that ad ad agency folded their tent and, mm. You know, he probably hasn't made more than about five or six thousand dollars a year since that's happened. Wow, that's scary. So, you know, well, you back can't in, be that's another story of a different nature, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, you know, that may be the case where I'm making most of my money coming from the voiceover. But that that compares in 1995, 96, 97 with the dot com boom in the Bay Area. And, and there was just so much work. And at that point, I had given up a lot of my outside pursuits because it seemed like people wanted me in the recording studio 24-7. Wow. And back then, the well was extremely wide. I had such a huge con uh, contact base and so many clients. It might not have been as deep. Now, the well seems to be rather narrow. I do not have as many clients that I service. Right. But each of those clients provides me with a respectful amount of work the the problem th that i see and i i keep records like nobody does i mean i i can tell you you know what yeah, you have a blog about how many emails you have kept you're a hoarder of emails you said <laughs> yeah and i keep incredible records on auditioning and i can tell you how i got work and who you know who who was responsible for what and all that kind of stuff and it's scary if you're you know, you want to be in a position where let's just say not you don't have a, a single client that is responsible for more than 5% of your income. Right. And if you have, you know, one client that's responsible for 30 or 40% of your income and you lose them, you know, that that is a, a, a major problem. A downturn in your income, yeah. There are voice talent out there now and their entire voice business is predicated upon serving one or two clients. That is not a good, you, you go and study business, go talk to anybody about business, Go to uh, score.org, S-C-O-R-E.org. They'll give you free advice and ask them, say, is it a good idea for me to have a business that I have to pay my bills and all that kind of stuff, and I have one or two clients? And they'll pretty much say, no, that's not a great idea. Well, you can even go to grandmother's uh, closet of old sayings, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. There you go. <laughs> so <clears throat> if there's a lot of, I may be doing well, but there are a lot of indicators that would say that would say that um, it sounds like there's other people behind you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's more on convention right now. No, it sounded like a person and a dog. 
Yes. Oh. They're coming back from a walk, and it's uh, what kind of dog do you have? Um. Well, she actually her picture is on my website. If you go to oh, yeah, JSK, oh yeah, that's right. I uh, saw it. We'll see Fresca. She's a little mutt. We got her from the from the pound, and uh, she uh, she's my office manager. That's right. <laughs> it's really funny. Every day when I come down to the office, she um, it doesn't matter what's going on. She she's got this need to follow me downstairs. She comes down here. She curls up on the couch in my office. Sure. And uh, she hangs out. When I go to the booth to record. She will get off the couch and she will stand by the booth. There's a big glass door, uh, double doors in the booth. And she stands there and watches me while I'm uh, doing my VO. She doesn't understand. What is that man doing? No, I think it's just kind of this sort of need to manage me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I like dogs and cats better than people. And I don't, I don't make any pretenses about that. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm, she's really great to have around here. It, 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 this has gotten to be kind of a lonely job. And I, I actually probably go out to studios more often than, than many people do. But still, um, so much of the work now and the auditions and everything that we do is, um, is, is just here in our offices and there's nobody to play off of. So it's, it's nice to have her around to keep me company. Yeah. We were talking about sure. um, the percentage of work that's voiceover versus non-voiceover, but related work. Yeah, um, so at the moment, it's, it's maybe 85, 90% of what I'm doing is, is, is making a living at voiceover. Right. And has that been rather steady for you in terms of that percentage? Oh, no, no, not at all. In the last five years? <laughs> or has, has it just happened more recently? In the last um, couple of years, like you said, after the downturn in the economy. Well, again, it, it, it's got a lot to do with, with changes that I've made to my business um, uh, because I'm out there and I'm collecting data. I'm seeing where, trend, where things are trending. I'm, I'm seeing how things are happening and where am I putting my uh, promotional dollars into what marketplace am I you know, trying to get into? Um, uh, where are my efforts going? That kind of thing. So. Part of it has been the fact that uh, over the last few years, I now have um, uh, several agents that send me uh, auditions on a regular basis. Right. Um, I had an LA agent prior to the big uh, SAG strike, commercial strike in 2000, mm -hmm. and then never, never got it back uh, for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. Until a few years ago, I have a New York agent now. So that opens up uh, avenues. So definitely. Uh, you know, but if you look at it, you say, oh, OK, well, you're making more money now than you did two years ago. Maybe that means things are better. Yeah, but I'm also auditioning four times more um, effectively marketing and social media a lot, you know, quite a bit. So it's 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 really hard to say. The other thing, too, is like I was talking about that guy that I know, if you find one client out there and you land one decent you know, job as a spokesperson and you can ride that for a while. Right. You know, I was the voice of Chevrolet for Texas and Oklahoma and a few other places. And that was great. You know, that was a, this regular income that you've got. And that can go on for years and years and years. There's a fellow here who does Northern California Toyota. And with the exception of a, a short break, when the car industry really went pretty bad. A, a Held off that ago. advertising. As much. And he's, he's been doing that now for like 10 years. Yeah, so, yeah. You, know, so you can land those, but those are farther and fewer in between, correct? Um, 
Yeah, you know, again, it depends. If you look online, you certainly get what I consider to be a rather myopic look at at, at voiceover. Um, you know, if well, you let's talk about like, you though. I want to keep the focus on okay. you, JS. Sure. Because because what I'm curious about is now within the 85 to 90 percent of work that you're doing now that's behind the mic. Um, what are the genres of work that you would slice that up into? Well, I can tell you this much. My, my two best commercials that I've done, that those two commercials have brought in more money than all 300 games that I've done. Ah, that's an important aspect. So that puts things into perspective. Right. You, you, don't, you don't get paid the same for, for the energy that you put out. Um, I've, I've written a couple of articles and I would say probably, you know, you hear about these workshops, how to make money doing voiceover for games. And I think there's a hundred reasons why somebody might want to do voiceovers for games. And it can certainly be a significant part of what a voice actor or any actor or any person can make. But I think if you're going about trying to, you know, support yourself doing voiceover for games, you will fail and you will fail miserably. There are maybe about 30 or 40 people in the world who are making over $30,000 a year as a voice talent for games. That's a very important factor when you're trying to balance what your efforts are as a voiceover actor. And for yourself, you've seemed to learn how to do that balance. You said the biggest percentage of voiceover income was the commercial genre for you, but mm -hmm. you are working in other genres that are bringing income in for sure. you, which includes games. And what other genres you said commercial, um, well, excuse me, corporate I, work as well. Yeah, I think right? the first thing the first thing to understand um, in, in terms of how I look at this is I just want to work. Right. <laughs> um, so I'm just happy to work. And the other thing, too, is I don't look at myself as an artist or a diva or whatever. Uh, to me, first and foremost, what I do is a job. And so I approach it as a job. It's a job. It's a business. And I also approach it as a profession. So I, I, I tend to, you know, find fault with, with people that are out there that are, you know, walking around with this whole concept of I'm an artiste because it really is a job. I, I do things to others' specifications. To, to go back into grandma's closet, I'll say it's show business, baby. It's show and it's business. Yeah. A exactly. lot of people like to forget that, but it really is. And, you know, to that end, the first one of the first cool lessons that I learned was they said, don't judge the client and don't judge the copy. Right, right. I've heard that, too. If you're picking up a piece of copy and you're looking at it and you're not looking to see what is brilliant about it, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> because that's that's your job really is to find the brilliance in everything in every project that you're handed yeah but the other thing i think is a big kind of misnomer or lie in my mind is when you hear the voiceover industry the voiceover industry to me are the people out there that are selling products or teaching or whatever otherwise a voiceover talent or voiceover actors whatever you want to classify us as we are workers um, and as such, there are a lot of different professions or industries that we service. So each one has a different walk the walk, talk the talk, um, way of So are you speaking people. about the different voiceover genres? Like there's corporate narration, there's commercial voiceover. Even within, you... corporate, even within corporate narration, there are so many different styles and ways that things are done. So 
you know, you have a lot of medical corporate narration where they often are looking for people who have some sort of a medical background, maybe a retired nurse or uh, somebody who understands terminology, things of that nature. I do a lot of work for um, a, a legal firm right now because I, I actually did study law for a little while before I came to my senses. <laughs> but he said, when I talk about it, when I discuss it, I sound like I know what I'm saying and I sound like I could be a lawyer. And so that's what they want. That was that's what they want. When it comes to voicemail, there are some people out there and many of them who want to play follow the leader. You know, so they hire people who uh, have that kind of wooden staccato about them or, you know, feel as though that deep voice maybe is going to cut across the phone or whatever. I right. tend to get hired by people to do voicemail who are looking for something different. Um, and so, it, so I understand who I am and how I relate to the genre and who they are and, and what their, you know, what their processes are. And that's how I approach that. But I certainly pitch myself or approach the voicemail IVR industry different than I would say the audiobooks industry or different than I would say uh, e-learning. And e-learning varies. You know, is this is this uh, um, e-learning where, where we have an ed emphasis on what they call the pedagogy or that is, you know, kindergarten through uh, through 12th grade where there's a certain amount of information that has to be distributed based on criteria of school systems? Mm -hmm. Or is this e-learning for corporate training or is it e-learning for things like OSHA compliance or uh, other kinds of compliance? So they're all kind of different. You know, the way you would deliver an e-learning session to a third grader is going to be a lot different than it would be to an eighth grader or a 10th grader. Um, so each one of these kinds of things requires kind of an understanding of who your audience is and the broad audience, the end right. listener. The people who hire you, the people who are involved in the process, how are scripts broken down, all those kinds of things. I can tell by the depth of what you're describing that you're really familiar with a variety of these different genres that voice artists or voice talent behind the mic are facing. Um, and you're right. You do have to understand the perspective that the audience wants to perceive whatever they're getting your voice within. And your voice is a part of something else. It's not the only thing. Right. What is your favorite? Well, and I would say genre? just as, a, as an as an ad, add to that, mm -hmm. it's it's not just understanding the audience and what their um, expectations are uh, as listeners, but understanding the audience as the people who are in the process of casting and hiring and so forth. Understanding the business of each one of those genres because it is it is wildly different. Um, and and then to answer your question. Um, you know, it's, I love doing commercial work. I enjoy doing it, um, probably because it does tend to pay more and it gives me the opportunity to do things like video games. This is the end of segment 3A, next 3B. Tune in next week for segment four or go to the archives. You've been listening to Love That Voiceover, brought to you by your host, lovethatrebecca.com.